The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Beautiful, sunshiny day. (laughs) April Fool. Oh, it's not that time, is it? Wow. You know, a pastor just, I mean, just frets. I don't care how long you've been doing it, you just fret. Because you say, dear Lord, why do you have to make it rain on Sunday? We ask questions like this. Why do we spring forward on a Sunday? And sometimes it's Easter Sunday. Why do we spring forward? Why can't we do that on a Saturday? So everybody get accustomed to it and, do it and, then, and be ready to come the next day. But it's always on a Sunday. Now, Lord, I'm not going to ask you why we fall back on a Sunday because I like that one. <laughs> but why do you spring forward on a Sunday? Why do things just kind of break loose on Sunday? I remember when we used to have the little A-frame building. We had a building back here in the back. And, of course, everything behind it was just dirt. And it was, uh, it was quite a, a prayer. I would, I would get down and literally pray, pray, I mean, for hours. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lay prostrate and pray, but I would, I would get down and I'd pray. And I'd say, God, please don't let it rain tomorrow. And it'd rain. It'd rain. So I'd get up and say, well, I'm going to preach today. I didn't say this, but I, I say to myself, I'm going to preach today about a God that didn't answer my prayer last night. <laughs> but He's still God. Amen. <laughs> What a joy to see you today. Why don't you stand to your feet? You're awesome people. We're glad to have our guests with us. It's an honor to have you, and it's an honor to have the unseen guest today. Jesus Christ is in the house, and what a joy, what a joy to have the Lord in the house today. We, are, we, we feel for our horns yesterday, but that's all right. They're going to get better. They're going to get better. Sometimes it just takes, you know, the bonsai tree is put in the ground, and they, they put a, a rock over it keep it in the ground and after five years it has not grown one ounce hadn't grown one inch and in its fifth year or at the start of the sixth year it jumps to be a huge huge tree and I think a lot of people their potential is like that but I also believe that sometime our teams that we root for are like that and they'll jump up one of these days to beating everybody and we'll be all happy but until then we're going to love Jesus because he hadn't got anything to do with that thought I'd share that with you. Ain't no need in you jumping off of a cliff because somebody got beat that you like to root for. Amen. Jesus is still undefeated. Praise God. Amen. He's still undefeated. <laughs> I want to talk to you today on these four cups, uh, the third session of it. Uh, I'm going to talk about the cup of redemption today. And uh, I was, I was reading something the other day, and, and I, I read about a boy that was riding his bicycle on a college campus. And uh, on a t-shirt that he had, he had shorts and a t-shirt, and on this t-shirt, it said, I'm going to be a doctor, riding a bike on campus. On his bicycle was a sign that says, I'm going to be a Mercedes. There's <laughs> a boy that had a brilliant, brilliant future. He looked for it. He went after it. He seized it. I'm going to preach about that today. I'm going to talk about the cup of redemption. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor. And I hope he does all right today so we can have a good day. Thank you, music. God bless you. You can be seated. You're awesome people, and I love you very, very much. We're all on this uh, spiritual journey. 
We really are. We thirst for something more. There is this God-shaped blank in all of us. God made some promises. Brad preached that on the very first Sunday of this month. This is the fourth Sunday of the month. And God always keeps his promises. Say, that, say amen to that. Amen. He's not a promise maker. He's also a promise keeper. He's our, he's our Passover lamb. And, and we can be fulfilled through one person and one person only. And that's Jesus Christ. He came, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. And so every year, every year at Passover, the Jewish people celebrate these four cups. They're four core promises that the Lord gave them when they were still in Egypt. For their, for their exit was in Exodus 12. This is Exodus 6. I'll read it again. He said, Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. And the first promise he made is, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Everybody say, he saved us. He brought us out from under the yoke of sin. And then the second week, last week, we talked about, I will free you from being slaves to them. It was one thing to get the Israelites out of Egypt. It was another thing to get Egypt out of their hearts. And they wanted to go back to the garlics and the leek and the onions and the things that were back in Egypt. Today we're going to talk about I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. It sounds like God's going to use some force. And then next week I will take you as my own people. So today, today we talk about the cup of redemption. The cup of sanctification was first, that's salvation. The cup of deliverance was second, last week, that's freedom. Next week is the cup of praise or fulfillment. You don't want to miss that, it's the last of the series. But today the cup of redemption, the cup of restoration. Say it with me, Exodus 6 and 6, I will redeem you. Say, I'll redeem you. Redeem means simply to buy back or to put you back where you're supposed to be, to get you doing what you're created to do. God was interested in not only saving them and not only delivering them from what he saved them from, but he had a plan for Israel. He wanted to redeem them back to put the potential in their life to put the promise in their heart that he could make them just like new again the Webster's definition of redeemed is threefold it means simply to buy back or to repurchase it means to change for the better or to reform or to repair or to restore so what is redemption Simply put, it is doing what you're supposed to be doing in your life. And that wasn't making bricks for Pharaoh in a mud pit, collecting your own straw. It was to live a productive and a fulfilled life for God. You know what's interesting to me, folks? I want to preach a little bit here. It's to see the redemptive power of God on the nation of Israel. Listen to me. God took them from slaves in mud pits to some of the most influential and successful people that ever have lived on the planet. Some of the greatest minds in human history are Jewish people. And to date, the Hebrew people have won 193 Nobel Prizes. 193. That's 23%, folks, of the total awarded, with less than 2% of the world's population. I think God did a pretty good job with those people. Come on, say it. God redeemed them. He said, with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment, I will redeem you. 
But I believe this today, that his potential is the same in us as it was in his people. Because we have been the grafted in branch. Hallelujah. We are Abraham's children also. When Abraham saw the sand of the sea, that was his natural children. When he saw the stars of the sky, that was us. And I believe with all my heart that if God can take his own people, the Jewish nation, and produce what he produced in them, he can take this Gentile church, these people that sit in the sound of my voice, and can take you from the mud pits of the world to the success that only he can give. Because nobody can redeem you like the Lord Jesus Christ. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. God wants to return you back to your original purpose. He created you for a specific assignment, a destiny. Everybody say, I have a destiny. destiny. Say it again, I have a destiny. So why do so few drink from this cup? The answer is found in the promise itself. In Exodus 6 and 6, I'll read it again. I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. God redeems us with an outstretched arm. You know why? Number one, because there's so much inferiority in the world today. There's so much inferiority. God has to have an outstretched arm for us. Most people, folks, have an incorrect view of themselves. It comes from their past. It comes from their problems. It comes from their mistakes. I want you to let God today heal the pain and the scars of yesterday. That's cup number two. But again, many try to live out their purpose without settling yesterday. I want to declare something to you right now. First of all, that God does not make junk. And even though hell makes you feel like you're junk, God can take that whatever hell calls you to be and take you out of that and then take that out of you and then bring you to your destiny. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. God wants you to make one more step. David said it this way. He said, your right hand holds me up. Your right hand holds me up. But I love another translation. It says, you stoop down to make me great. With an outstretched arm. But I love the contemporary English version. He said, you alone are my shield. Your right hand supports me. And by coming to help me, you have made me famous. Here's a young man that wasn't even chosen to be in the lineup. Seven sons stood before Samuel to get the anointing of the next kingship. And Samuel ran them by twice and said, Jesse, do you have anybody else? He said, I got a kid out there in the, in the pasture that's taking care of some sheep. And under his breath, he said, I'm not proud of him. Because history records perhaps that David was not a real son. He was a illegitimate child. He was a child perhaps of a woman outside of the marriage vow. And he was not going to bring somebody that wasn't purebred in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, go get him. And he told the rest of them, you all just keep standing. Because we're not going to sit down until he comes. And when David walked in, Samuel poured six quarts of oil on his head and said, you're the king. 
I don't care what pasture you've been grazing in. I don't care how much people have put you down in your past. There's a God in the house right now that's allowing a man of God to prophesy over you, to tell you, come on in the house. I don't care what your past is. It don't matter what your yesterday was. God can take your yesterday out of you and he can make you something powerful. He can fulfill your destiny. I love this concept. He's reaching down. He's pulling us up because we have such inferiority complexes in our life. God sees greatness in us. He sees greatness in you that you don't see in yourself. There's people that I have pastored that's beat themselves up ever since I have been pastor here. They see awful in themselves and God sees awesome. They see broken and God sees blessed. We see ourselves at best as a casualty and God sees a champion. And because of the past we see ourselves as has-beens and God sees us as what we will be. Moses and Paul, two of the greatest leaders, one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, both saw their speech as contemptible. Moses said, I can't speak. And Paul said, my speech is contemptible. Can you imagine how he's saying in the Philippian prison with Silas when his speech was contemptible? How could he even sing? But one led two and a half million people out of Egypt and the other wrote half the New Testament. Don't tell me where you've come from. Don't brag on where you've come from. Brag on what God did for you. And then brag on what God's going to do for you. Because he has a destiny in your life. Somebody say glory to that right now. He has a destiny in your life. And by the way, God used other people to see the greatness in both of those men. Aaron was a brother to Moses. He was an encourager. He lifted his hand one day on a mountain. And Barnabas was an encourager, the son of consolation for the apostle Paul when nobody believed in the slayer of God's people. I want to give you three words that are off limits to God. Jeremiah used them one time. They're simply these three words, I am only. I want you to not ever say that again. Jeremiah said, I'm only a youth. I cannot do what you ask me to do. It usually takes somebody else to see the potential you have in you because we tend to limit ourselves and are too hard on ourselves. But you've got to see yourself the way God sees you. Here's what God says about you in Ephesians 2. We are his masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he had planned for us a long time ago. Let me explain. You are God's workmanship. The next verse. You're God's workmanship. Amen. Say workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do works which God prepared in advance for you to do. In other words, God didn't create you and say, hmm, what can I do with this person? No. He didn't create you then give you purpose. It's the very opposite. He created purpose. He created a destiny. And then he said, I'm going to make this young man to fulfill the death, oh my Lord, that I have for him. I'm not going to create you then let you find it. I'm going to create a destiny then let you be fulfilled with it. Because I'm going to create you for the destiny that I've already prepared for you in the future. Somebody needs to stand on their feet and clap their hands and say, I'm reaching. I refuse to have an inferiority complex. I will take what God has for me in my life. 
Everybody say, I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a specific purpose. Everybody say inferiority. Get out of here. The second thing is diversion. Diversion. One is about our past and one's about our present. Diversion's about right now. See, devil, the Satan doesn't want you drinking from the cup of redemption. He don't want you to be redeemed. So how does he hinder us? He creates a life diversion in our present, a life diversion. However, you know what, folks? We're, we're on the verge of almost having church in this first service today. You know that, don't you? You feel something kind of bubbling? Do you know what happened here Wednesday night? About 50 people received the baptism of the Holy Spirit here on Wednesday night. And you know, you know what God has said? He said, I thought I'd just stay around till Sunday morning and see what else might happen here on Sunday morning. High in first church when some people stayed under the cover because it was raining. Hallelujah. Somebody say glory. God's mighty acts of judgment are reserved for the enemy of your soul. He'll stoop to take you up from your inferiorities. But he has a mighty act of judgment reserved for the enemy of your soul. The devil has his own plans for your life. You know that, don't you? And the devil's trying to keep people from finding their dream. And he'll put anything he can in your way. Career, money, marriage, hobbies, problems, tragedy. Anything to keep you from focusing on God's plan. He wants you to stay focused on yourself and your issues. That's what he wants. He'll do anything to derail you from your purpose. So he creates diversions. He creates these strange fires. First Thessalonians said we, we wanted very much. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians said we wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again. But Satan prevented us. He sent us a diversion. The Greek word prevented is the word ekopto, E-G-K-O-P-T-O, if you're taking notes, E-G-K-O-P-T-O. It literally means to cut a ditch in the middle of your road so you can be impeded on your course, on your way to a victory. Most translations call it to be hindered. With mighty acts of judgment, God said, I'll confront the enemy of my kids. If you don't believe that, read Acts the ninth chapter. Because the only thing that really gets God irritated is when somebody has papers in their pocket to try to come and destroy the children of God that worship Him every Sunday. God said, I got news for you, Saul. You're not going to get to those kids. I'm going to knock you down on the road to Damascus. I'm going to put you down. And when I lift you up, you're going to be one of those kids. Hallelujah. I'm here to tell you, don't let anything hinder you from being what God has you to be. God wants to take you past diversions in your life and place you in a place where only He can do what He wants to do in your life. So God will confront any enemy. Romans 8 says, and we know that God causes everything, say everything, everything. to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to to his purpose for them. See, many think I've gone too far. A preacher one day was in his church and he was praying, and God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to the window and open it up. It was in the olden days. He said, I want you to go to the window and open it up. And just say in a normal speaking voice, 
God loves you. And closed the window and go pray again. And he went to the window and opened it up. And he said, God loves you. And he shut it and went back to praying. A little later, God said, do you mind doing that again? And he went to that window again. And he opened it up and he said, God loves you. A little louder. Shut the window and went back to praying. What happened? Nothing. But several years later, the man was preaching at a convention. And after he preached that night, a man walked up to him. And he said, sir, I'd like to introduce myself. I'm a pastor at a certain church. And he said, I, I want to meet you today. He said, because 20 years ago, I was a drunk, I was a failure, and I walked up to a church and I said, I've gone too far. God will never take me back to that church. I'll never be a part of the church again. And he said, you opened a window and hollered, Jesus loves you. God loves you. And he said, I sat there and I said, no, that's a mirage. God, you didn't really say that. If you really said that, say it again. And said, you said it again. And he said, I went to church and gave my heart back to the Lord. And now I'm preaching the gospel. I'm here to declare to you. God will reach down and pick you up out of your inferiorities. And he'll use mighty acts of judgment to stop the devil from diverting you from your plan and purpose of life. Come on, it's time to understand God loves his kids. Don't ever say I've gone too far. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. They're never canceled. They're never rescinded. You know what that means? They're without repentance. It doesn't mean that they're without repentance with you. If God ever gives you something, he's not going to take it back. He won't rescind it. There's no resale on God's promises. There's no trade-in on God's promises. They're yours. He wants to redeem you. With a long arm, an outstretched arm, and with mighty acts of judgment. So how do we drink from this cup? First of all, know that you have a spiritual gift. Romans 12 said we all have different gifts according to the grace that he has given us. That word grace is the word charis, which means in divine enablement. It's just, it's just easy for you. Here's your instruction from God. Pursue this promise. Pursue it. First Corinthians says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So there's three things I want to give you very quickly. Then I'm going to close today. Three things I want to give you very quickly. Number one, everybody say discover your gift. The best way to discover your gift is by design. What do you mean, pastor? If God had a thing for you to do, then created you. Then the design, how he made you, will reveal your destiny, what he wants you to do. I went to, a, I went to a couple of funerals this week. One I preached and one I was just a part of. And they were two totally different men. One was over Monroe. And he was a man that was born in Page, Texas. And if you know where that is, you can go to heaven free today. And he came to UT and he pulled himself up by his own bootstraps and he, and he worked hard and he, he went to the military from 60 to 68. He worked hard. He, he got himself ready for, the, for tomorrow. 
And then one day, Ann Richards decided that he had such honesty and integrity. He was like a Daniel in this world. She put him over all the securities of, of the comptroller's office, and he went and audited all these banks and all these places. He was the chief auditor. She trusted him that much. And the man found his purpose. He found his duty, his destiny, and he lived it, and he lived a fulfilled life. And then yesterday morning, I went to Jack Davis's funeral. Larry, his son, is a member of our church. And I stood in the back and I listened to a pastor talk about this man and what a giver he was. He would give when he had nothing to give. He was a fixer. He liked to fix problems. He liked to fix things. And he fixed stuff all the time. But he never would charge. He was just a giver of his time and giver of his talent and giver of everything he had. And when I went down to look at him, I had already visited the night before and saw him. But when I went past him, I was one of the first to go past him. I said, thank you. Thank you. I got to send Brother Orville home, but I heard another pastor send Jack Davis home. But two men, two different roads, but both of them were born with a destiny. They were created for a destiny. And both of them fulfilled it. Not everybody's going to stand up here and preach. Not everybody's going to have a talent to sing. Not everybody's going to have a talent to teach. Not everybody's going to have a talent to do things that we call successful stuff in church. But everybody is called to be an encourager. Everybody's called to be a witness. Everybody's destined to be somebody special in the kingdom of God. And why, why do you let inferiority, why do you let diversion stop you from being what God wants you to be? Allow that to happen in your life. You've got, to, you've got to understand that you've got to discover what you are and what God wants you to be. And your, your gift comes from your design. Your destiny comes from your design. And whatever God designed you to do. I've got four men in this church that are the chief encouragers I've ever had in my life. I've been preaching 47 years. And I've never had encouragers like I have in this church. I get texts from them continually. And they think, you think, well, that swells your head. No, it just lets me know that at least I got four. That'll be for me. If I splat out watermelon seeds on Sunday morning, they'll still be for me. And I got people that walk up and tell me, Pastor, you're doing a good job. Thank you for preaching to us. Thank you for loving us. And it makes you feel so good. You know what you are? You're walking in, your, in a destiny. You have become a chief encourager. That's what I wanted to be in my life. I thought my older brother would be the preacher and I'd be the encourager. But now God put the calling on me because my brother refused to take the call and refused to take his gift. And here I am preaching the gospel. Maybe that's why I'm an encourager every time I preach the gospel. Because I'll know without a shadow of a doubt that God has something special for you. You're a special person today. He brought you out. He took Egypt out of you. He wants to redeem you today. Can you say amen to that? You say, man, embrace the design that God has for you. Ephesians says, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us and had designs on us for the glorious living. Part of the overall purpose of he's working out in everything and in everyone. Colossians, he says, for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. The second thing you have to do is develop your gift. Everybody say, develop your gift. Not only do you have to discover it, you've got to develop it. Everybody say, develop it. 
You put that on your refrigerator. Discover, develop. It's COC. I believe the job that God has given me is to help you develop your gift. We build the church around gifts of the people. Gift. Grace. It's charis. It's divine enablement. But to each one of us, Ephesians says, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gives apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers to equip his people for the work of service. So let's start right here. Let's start right here. Here's my greatest advice to you today. You can start by getting on the plus side of life. What does that mean, Pastor? Say goodbye to the minus side. Get on the plus side. Now, I'm not trying to be Zig Ziglar today. He's dead and gone and on to his reward. I'm just telling you, you've got to get on the positive side of life. I read about a man that preached one time about the, what side of the road are you walking on. He said, when you walk on the road, are you walking on the side of the road in the city where the, where the sun shines? Or are you walking over here in the shade? Where are you walking? Are you walking where the sun shines on you? Or are you walking in the shade? I'm asking, are you walking on the positive side of life? Or are you walking on the minus side of life? Because God has a hard time handling grumbling, grumbling and complaining and murmuring. He has a hard time with that. But he has a great time helping people that say, God, I'm here. I'm here. Let the sun shine. Yeah, yeah. Let the sun shine in. The sun shining with some high sea. Hallelujah. Let. <laughs> Hallelujah. You've got to develop it. You've got to develop it. Say goodbye to the minus side. God created you for greatness. Say it. God, God. Created, created me, me. For, greatness. for greatness. The third thing, you've got to use your gift. Say use it. That's your purpose for life. God has given you, First Peter said, gifts to each of you from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest gifts in all the world is the gift of giving. Because if you're not giving, you're not living. Your time, your talents, your treasure. No, it's not about money today. It's about giving. Your time, your talents, your treasure. We've got some kids next door. We had 310 kids last Sunday next door. I'm closing. Randy, if you'll help me. We had 310 kids last week. And we had teachers that didn't show up last Sunday. And I, I, want, I want to say something to you right now. And this is not a correction thing. This is a this is a, I wish somebody would just jump up and say, not, not physically, but just jump up in your heart and say, Pastor, that won't happen anymore. I wish some of you would just go next door in between services or maybe Wednesday night and walk over to Adasa, our new children's director, and say, Mrs. Die, I'm willing to give my time on Sunday morning, at least one service to the kids, twice a month. I'm willing to do that. Because pastor told me that could be my gift. That could be my destiny. That could be what I'm here for. That could be the cause for why I was born. To help kids be greater people when they grow up. That's, that's, a, that's a building full of potential over there. That's a building full of potential over there. 
I close today. I close today. I was in a, a Bible study this week. And uh, let me see how much time I got to tell this story. Oh, I'm doing good. I was in a Bible study this week. And I heard a man who was, who is now a youth pastor in a church in San Marcos. And he told about when he was 10 years old getting off a bus on December the 20th in Miami, Florida. And he was running home because he had two weeks of Christmas vacation. He's so excited. And while he was running home, he was encountered by a man that said, hey, aren't you so-and-so's son? He said, I am, I am, 10-year-old kid. He said, I work for your dad. Y'all are a great family. He said, you know what? We're planning something for your pop down at the, down at the, down at the dock. He said, you want to come down and help me work at the dock? And the kid went down there with him, and they worked at the dock for a while. Then he said, I bet you'd like to hunt, wouldn't you, son? He said, I'd love to hunt, sir. He said, I'm going to take you hunting. Took him all the way up to Naples, which is probably about an hour away from Miami. Got him in the woods and took a gun and shot him in the head. Stabbed him six times with an with a ice pick. I heard him speak Thursday. Left him for dead beneath a tree. Six days later, December 26th, the boy awakened. And when he awakened, he did, thought he'd been asleep just maybe an hour or two. But he said immediately he knew that God was with him as a 10-year-old boy because not a predator had come, not a bite mark was on him, not an ant had stung him. Six days he laid there face down and he hadn't died. And he said the first thing that hit his mind was this. He said, son, if you ever find yourself lost in the woods, find a road and sit on that road well, somebody's going to come by and get you. And if it's, if it's, if you, if it's your good day, it's going to be your father because I'm going to be out looking for you if you're ever missing. He said, I went and sat on the road and it wasn't five minutes till a, a pickup came by and a gentleman said, sir, he said, I had two huge black eyes. I'd been shot in the head and his right eye is gone. But he's a, he's a neat guy. And I'm going to have him here one day. You need to hear his story. I don't want to mess it up. But here's the beautiful thing. He said, when I got in that truck and made it to the police station, then they put me in the hospital, he said, I realized at 10 years old, God had spared me for a reason. And that reason, that reason wasn't to make trouble. It was to help people. God stooped down. Picked him up. 24 years later, he was a youth pastor and he got a call from the Miami police and said, we have found the man that shot you and stabbed you. And said, he confessed. Statue of limitations is gone, but he confessed. And said, he did it. He said, I just thought I'd call you and just see if you want to come and get closure in your own life. And he said, I... I got in my car and started driving to Miami. He lived in Texas, and I drove to Miami and said, I, I asked my pastor, said, I'd plan to go see him on a, on a Wednesday night. I said, I asked my pastor, said, Pastor, would you go with me? He said, no, I'm teaching a Bible study on Wednesday night. I, I don't have time to go with you. Thanks, Pastor. I'm going to go see a man that 
shot me and things. But he said, there was a guy that was my incredible Hulk. He was my Lou Ferrigno. He was my buddy. He took care of me. He fought for me when I was a kid. He said, I called him. He's in ministry. He said, I'll go with you. And they went to see this man. They walked in. The man weighed about 60 pounds, 77 years old now, dying. Didn't have a day or two to live. Was barely lucid. And they walked in and my friend Chris said, did you, uh, did you confess to the police about taking somebody's life? He said, I didn't confess anything. I was trying to take somebody. He said, I didn't, I didn't confess anything. And then Lou Ferrigno, the Incredible Hulk, took over. He said, sir, I want to ask you something. He said, did you try to take a boy's life when he was 10 years old? Did you shoot him? Did you stab him? He said, we need to know because the young man that you did that to is on the other side and he's ready to grant you forgiveness. And with that, he reached his little old hand and got a hold of that preacher's hand. And he said, I did. And that young man, knowing destiny at 10 years old, saw it fulfilled 24 years later. When he took the hand of a man and said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And he said, you know what? I have discovered my gift is the, is, the, is the beauty of forgiveness to people. That's what it's all about, folks. And I'm, I'm declaring here today, I'm telling you right now, the Bible says, know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. You know who runs in that race? Not me against you. Your past runs in that race. Your present runs in that race. And your potential runs in that race. And your past gives you those inferiorities. You think you'll never get over it. And hell wants the past to win the race. Your present is the diversions that happen in your life to keep you from seeing God's best. But your potential is the one that needs to win the race. Come on, let's let our potential be the one that wins the race. We will have her memorial in a few days. Her name is Brenda Wright. She worked for us. I've got to tell you a little bit of her story, then I'll, I'll call it a day. When she was just a kid, she decided she'd never go back to church. She got herself hurt by somebody in church. She said, I'll never go back to church. And she didn't for the longest. She passed last Monday. She died of cancer, 65 years old. I'll never go back to that church. What church? Any church. But God put her beside a young lady who happened to have the same name, Brenda Wright, who was married to Kent Wright. And they became friends. And Brenda and Kent were a member of this church. And a friendship sprung. And from that, I think Brenda Wright, Brenda Kent Wright, Brenda 
Winslet right. I'll get it out in a minute. Told her, we, we need somebody to help us with our yard at the church. And Brenda Wright, our Brenda that passed, came and started doing yard work for us. She had a, she had a service. Wow. And in that yard work, she realized that there was something here that she hadn't felt in her church a long time ago. Somebody loved her. Somebody cared about her. Somebody wanted her to do well. It wasn't long until we hired her to be our Jane of all trades and master of some. And she started working for the church. And it wasn't long until one Easter she got all dressed up and came to church. <laughs> you see, God, God has a way of devising a means whereby the banished shall not be expelled from what he has for them. Her inferiority was overcome. The diversions were overcome. And then she started pursuing God again in her life. And we're going we're gonna to honor her in a week or so. We're going to honor her at a memorial. But today I tell you that God's got something for everybody in this house. He's got something for everybody in this house. He wants your potential to win the race of life. Get a hold of what he has for you and see what God can do with you in your future. Would you stand all over the building? You're awesome people. You're awesome people. Anybody like to step out and just say, Pastor, I'd like for you to bless me. I want, I want my potential to absolutely spring up in my life. I want to do something for the kingdom of God. I want to do something positive in my life. Would you just step out? Let me just bless you here before we go home. Come on down. Just step out. Let me bless you before we go home here today. Amen. 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 I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you very, very much. I love you very, very, very much. Here they come. Here they come. This does not mean you're lost. No, no, no. It's just about potential. It's about doing what God has designed for you. It's doing what God has planned for you. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's doing what God wants you to be in your life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Dear Father, right now, would the audience raise your hands with me? Dear Father, right now, I bless these people. I bless them right now. As they open up their spirits and open up their hearts to you, Lord, I bless them right now. God, you have destiny for every one of these folks. You have destiny for everybody in this building today, Lord. You have purpose for them. You have a calling for them. You have something great and glorious waiting on them, God. Hallelujah. You said you would redeem us. You would redeem us with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. You'll take care of our inferiorities. You'll take care of those diversions, God. And you'll bless us with mightiness and glory and skill and honor. And God, we honor you today. We thank you today for the purpose that you have called us to be. God, you didn't make us and then say, go chase that. You made a purpose and said, I'm going to design you with purpose in mind. Lord, let us understand that you are the God that can help us in any situation in our life. Would you start praising him right now, folks in the altar? Would you start praising him? Come on, open your mouth. Pray yourself. God, let me be who you desire me to be. Let me be what you desire me to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
Oh God, help us, help us, help us. Touch us, touch us, touch us. Strengthen us, God. Let us be what you want us to be in the name of the Lord. Let us become what you want us to become in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let it be, Lord. Let it be, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.